This is the Love Truth Leadership Podcast. Your hosts, Larry Chatterley and Nick Johnson, welcome you on your journey of self-improvement and connection. Listen as they combine their different experiences of life to help you learn leadership is not just a title, but the profound expression of the love and truth you bring into the world. LTL show, everybody. We have a, our first guest, which we're really excited about. Sam Piccolotti is going to join us. We're going to talk about discipline with Sam, and he's a, he's a very disciplined man. But first, before we get into our subject, I wanted to fix a few things that I talked about or go over, reiterate a few things. I've, I told you about Bob Proctor's quote, working with... Uh, you can't have service and work be combined, and, I, and that was a line that, that was divided. And it turns out I'm completely wrong about that because I re-listened to that, to that quote that Bob Proctor said, and it was, as long as you combine your work with your purpose, that equals your service. And so that being said, purpose is a big deal, and that's going to be definitely something that we're going to talk about in later episodes. If you can, you know, find a purpose in everything that you do, then your work becomes your purpose and you can actually provide service with your work, which makes it enjoyable. And, you know, from there you can grow rich. That's the other thing I wanted to cover because rich isn't necessarily uh, monetary. It's rich of heart, rich of mind, rich of health, um, rich in gratitude. Right, Larry? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you can be very rich in gratitude. And one of those things where we, we live in a society where being rich or wealthy is considered only monetary. And we need to really understand that being rich can be, be many things, rich in health and all that kind of stuff. It's, it's one of those things where you can be wealthy in many aspects in your life and still be a happy person without the money. Um, additionally, I had messed up and forgot who Hill was tasked by whenever he was, uh, told to write the, the Think and Grow Rich book. And he was actually tasked by Andrew Carnegie. Now there is some controversy behind that. Uh, if you guys would want to understand that a little bit of controversy, you can just check out Wikipedia and type in Napoleon Hill and that'll give you all the information. I was actually very surprised whenever it came down to that. And then our last episode, we covered uh, trauma, and I wanted to touch on one thing that I, I found very interesting and I forgot to talk about. Uh, Jordan Peterson interviewed a, a Dr. James, uh, Dr. James Penbaker. He was a psychology professor at uh, Texas University. I can't remember which one. And uh, he researched people who had trauma, who had traumatic experiences in their lives and really didn't talk about their traumatic experiences with anyone. And he found that people with traumatic experiences were more likely to get sick as well. So this is another good reason why, you know, getting your trauma and not making it something that you carry around and something that you make sure you're comfortable with and, and that doesn't dictate your life. Because in this study, he got a group of 50 students who, who he knew had a traumatic experience in life and that they never talked about it. He had 25 journal about something superficial and he had 25 journal about uh, their trauma specifically. And they traumaed or they, they journaled for 15 minutes a day for four days a week. And that went on for, I think it was 60 days. He said the students who wrote about the trauma went to the health center at the college, half the rate over three to six months. And then so they did another study with this with a similar uh, you know 
group of students, you know, a few years later. And then they decided by a flip of the coin who was going to actually journal about trauma and who was going to journal about just something superficial. And then six weeks later, they drew the blood of all the students and found the ones who wrote about trauma had an enhanced immune function. So your body, your brain, what you think and what you carry around with you has an immediate effect on your health. (laughs) So I thought that was super interesting. And take with that what you will. But if you find that you're sick all the time, you might want to do some internal looking and see what you're carrying around with you. And and they, they basically, what that came down to was, is that you're basically doing what's called self-therapy whenever you're journaling about your trauma. And that's actually almost a stronger form of going to a therapist because you're actually coming to problems that that affect you and getting them out yourself and not reliving them. Where a lot of the times in therapy, they just end up reliving that past over and over again and trying to coach you how to get over it. And then the next session, it's like, okay, how do you feel again? Well, I feel like I'm still living in my trauma. And um, so from there, that's... You know, where we'll lead in and introduce Sam. How you doing this morning, Sam? Great. I appreciate you guys uh, inviting me to join you. Yeah, Yeah, we appreciate you coming, man. That's really awesome. Um, Sam is a custer of mine at the bike shop. Yes, sir. And uh, that's why I love my job so much because I get to meet all these really awesome, healthy people like Sam and Larry and every time, like I'm... Once a week, I see somebody that comes in and I'm like, all right, I'm going to contact you, you know, <laughs> like I want, I want to talk to you and see what your life's about and, and, and what do you do to maintain your health? And yeah, think about how much more advantageous you are, uh, having people come in to a bike shop to visit you, um, versus a dentist. <laughs> yeah, no joke. Yeah. Yeah. That's very true. That is very true. And that's why I'm so grateful for my job, my day my uh, day in day out job and uh, and and it actually th- that I've been thinking about it and to re- touch on that that whole purpose thing my job brings me a lot of purpose and and that's really awesome uh, so why don't you tell us a little bit a bit about yourself Sam uh sure I'm born and raised in the northeast um, but had lifelong ambition to live in the Rocky Mountains and um it took me 40 years to get here, but you're here now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, made, made a number of attempts, uh, in, you know, in and around my college years and, and shortly thereafter to try to find a job out here and, and move. But, um, job and career and family, um, kept me busy back East. And in 2001, I made a, uh, made a very conscious decision in, in my professional life to make a change yeah and um, I started a business that I had aspired to move west and um, just you know funny change of circumstance I ended up getting a job offer out here uh, in in the midst of working to transition to business yeah and um, weighed the both and thought well I'll do both I'll you know I'll, I'll leave the business with my partner for now and I'll go take the job and get myself set up and it didn't work out, but uh, but I ended up, uh, you know, being able to realize my my ambition to live in the Rocky Mountains, and it's it's been fantastic. So, um, in my uh, my personal life, I I spend a, a lot of my time in the fitness world, um, either coaching and, and participating in a in a myriad of activities and and you know different genres of sport. That's really where I, I find my passion, and that you know has become my medicine. Uh, and time with family. Yeah, that's big. Yeah. So a little, what did you used to do then before you back out east? What was your, your career then? I was in banking. I had, uh, I, had a, I had a really good run, um, about 15 years in, in um, retail and commercial banking. Okay. Uh, I was an executive leader for, for a big major financial institution uh, back east. Uh, it, was a, it was a, you know, it, was, it was a great experience. I had I was on a fast track with with a lot of promotions, but um, I felt fairly empty. You know, uh, after after a decade or so in in those roles, and 
realized that, you know, I'd ended up in a place it wasn't necessarily by choice. Yeah. And, um, and I was searching for more fulfillment. Uh-huh. And, um, and so I left, uh, I left that, uh, you know, that, that industry and, um, and took an opportunity to move west and, and I'm still somewhat related my professional life to the banking industry. I, I serve into it now, but but I'm not working in it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So your primary focus now is what? Coaching, fitness, what? Primary focus. <laughs> um. Really, it's uh, <clears throat> it's on uh, trying to be the best human that I can be today, and fulfilling. Uh, you know, different aspects of my life. I want to be, I want to be a good parent. I want to be a good father. I want to be a good husband. I want to be a good friend. Uh, I want to be a good member of the community. Um, and in my professional life, you know, I'm, I'm always striving for, for achievement and, and, uh, success in those, in that role. Um, but I've, I've found a, a work-life balance, uh, here in, in the West that I was missing back East. <clears throat> I think a lot of that's cultural. Yeah. You know, yeah. um, in, in the Northeast, you're you're fairly judged by what your career or vocation is, and um, and very little attention. I mean, it's just not recreationally driven. The community and the culture, um, and I, I always personally struggled with that. Yeah. Um, because I I didn't see my personal identity as what I was doing, you know, vocationally, but that's how the rest of the community perceived me. <laughs> yeah. And um, and. That was fine because I was succeeding in those roles, but there was a sense of emptiness. There. Yeah. And I, I definitely found that balance here. Good, good. And you've talked to me a little bit about before, like how, because you're, you're big on doing triathlons and then you trying to balance that living out east with your career and how yeah. Yeah, that was very difficult yeah. for you and stuff yeah. to do. And I had, um, I'd gotten into triathlon by, by accident. <clears throat> um, I, I was, I grew up a swimmer. Um, and then asthmatic. So anything that had to do with running was, you know, was a complete challenge for me. It could have been gym class. Yeah. And and I might end up being benched, you know, just because I, anything that had to do with running, I just never knew if I was going to have a day, you know, where I could withstand, you know, the activity or not. And there wasn't much medication for it then. So um, swimming became my sport at the age of eight. I swam all through high school and, and, and I was a good swimmer. Um, I did not swim in college. I had offers to, to do that, but I, I wanted to get out and, and do other things. Um, but I came back from college, uh, one summer and my cousin who was a former junior pro cyclist, uh, was part of a, a triathlon relay team. And he had some, you know, uh, local standout runner that he had on his team. And, you know, he was, he, you know, he had a course record in, in this, uh, triathlon on the bike and they were looking for a good swimmer and asked me if I'd if I do the event and uh, I said, well, I haven't been swimming, but you know, how far, how far is the swim? And they're like a mile. And I was like, oh, okay. Well, so I got, I got in the pool a couple times and, and, um, and, you know, practice a little bit and, and thought, yeah, you know, 20, 25 minutes and I'll be done. No big deal. It didn't turn out that way. Uh, yeah. You know, the, in, in the world of triathlon in the race, uh, traditionally you start off with a swim. And so um, I, I never even met the, the, uh, the runner because he was at a different transitionary. And I showed up in the morning for the swim and, uh, you know, completely confident but, but unprepared. And um, went off uh, with, with the rest of the group in the scrum and, and figured I'd, you know, I'd be able to bang out that mile pretty successfully. And I got just a couple hundred meters into the swim. And I started having an asthma attack. Oh, damn. And I realized I was in trouble. And um, I continued to try to just, you know, mentally just get to the next buoy, just see if you can work through it, get to the next buoy. But there was no working through it. And uh, and I didn't even get a half mile into the swim. And, and I had to, uh, you know, call out to, uh, to a boat, a safety boat that was there. And they pulled me out and, you know, rushed me off to an ambulance and put me on oxygen. And I was just humiliated. Just, Oh yeah. I mean, just I that's totally a, yeah. humiliated yeah. that, you know, that I, that I wasn't able to pull it off that I let these other two people down and uh -huh. process. So, um, 
I, you know, right, wrong, or indifferent. I thought, well, if if this is what's hard, you know, the swimming, biking, and running, I'm going to do a whole bunch of it and see if I can overcome, <laughs> yeah. overcome the asthma. Yeah. And so I started training for triathlon. I did my first triathlon the next spring and uh, was just totally hooked on the uh, excitement. It was just a sprint triathlon up in upstate New York. And I went up with my younger brother and, you know, and he, 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 was, he waited along for me. But I, I, came, I came through the event with uh, such level of, of newfound excitement, exhilaration that, um, you know, that kind of became my thing for about 36 years, I guess. Heck yeah. That's, yeah. I mean, I, I think about swimming a mile and instantly I'm like, whoa, <laughs> like hold on, a whole mile of swimming. Like, yeah, give me, I'll walk it, you know, try to jog it, but bike it for sure. But swimming that thing, man, geez Louise, that's some work. Yeah, I couldn't even, and then thinking about it so confidently, like, oh, yeah, 25 minutes, no big deal, swimming a mile, that's, I mean. Yeah, we well, see, you know, even kids today, you know, they're, you know, in, in their teenage years swimming and club swimming, and, you know, I think we were averaging three to four miles a day in practice, some days twice a day. Wow. You know, in high school, you'd have morning, you'd have morning practice and afternoon practice, so the mile didn't seem, I mean, that was, yeah. that was a warm-up, you know, generally. So, yeah, okay. Yeah. But I hear you. Yeah, if you're not, you know, if you're not from that world, swimming's a tough sport. You know, people, I don't think realize how how difficult because there's a lot of, uh, you know, it's even though you're part of a team, there's it's all individual effort. Yeah, yeah, you know? for sure. Um, you have any questions for Sam about about his history or anything, Larry? Or? No, I liked his answer when I asked about what he does as what he focuses on. And what I like is that when you usually ask people what they do. It's their occupation. So yeah. I always find that interesting. And it's like what you said back east. People define you by what you work. Yeah. Not who you are. Yeah. And what I liked what he said is he def- he defined more about who he was. And it's about balance his life with family and everything else. And that's really where it's at. It's he's in those values that you esteem. And even though he really loves to be fit, he also and works out, he also tries to balance that with other things in your life. Yeah. Is that, is that, that how you take that, Sam? Right? That, you know, it's been a real struggle. Um, uh, not anymore. I'll, I'll be, I'll be honest, but it was in the beginning and you had asked, you know, uh, Nick, when and how I was bouncing that in the beginning and when, uh, in and around that late 90 period when I was really enjoying triathlon, I was, you know, uh, still participating with, you know, Monday night rides and Wednesday yeah. night bike rides. And, yeah. and, and there was a social component to that. It was a lot of fun. You'd go out and you'd ride and you have a couple beers and a pizza afterwards or something. And, and I would get my workouts, my swims in, you know, during the day, uh, you know, and, and, and I'd always strength trained. I'd incorporate those things. But as the, uh, as my family grew, um, in 2001, we had, um, our second child, and I was, I was, you know, in, in a very demanding role uh, at the bank and uh, finding it really difficult to find time to train. So I wasn't making the Monday night rides. I wasn't making the Wednesday night rides. And I'd show up on Saturday when we'd have a swim, bike, run session out at the lake. And, you know, then I'd go compete, uh, you know, over the season. And I was starting to get my butt kicked. And it was really frustrating for me to to manage and cope with because I, you know, just like cycling and it, it, it's time in that sport you just have to put the time in and oh, i just yeah. wasn't getting all that time in but i also had a mentality back then that if i didn't have two hours for a bike ride it wasn't worth getting on the bike yeah and um that that summer my wife's niece was hiking the appalachian trail and um it, which was something that really inspired me just the thought of being able to you know, escape for several months and take a 2,000-mile trek in the wilderness, you know, and find yourself. And And I read a book uh, that year uh, called The Walk in the Woods by Bill Bryson. Now, there was a movie made uh, after it as well. I think Nick Nolte and uh, might have been Robert Redford, actually. And, um, in, 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 you know, and after reading the book, it, you know, I was so inspired by that concept. And when my wife's niece, Kelly, was coming through Pennsylvania, her mom was going to have a backyard party to greet her and any other trail mates that had been there. And I, I wanted to make certain to be able to get over there and, and just talk to these people and 
pick their brains and find out, you know, what it was like to be out there in, in the wilderness for a couple of months. But I was also, you know, a little a little myth and critical, not in a in a negative way, but from my account, just by reading the book, and I was no expert, it seemed like they were 30 days behind schedule, meaning that if if they were to continue on from Pennsylvania to Maine, that they were going to be hiking in winter weather conditions. And that changes the whole dynamic. Oh, yeah. The, you know, these through hikers usually want to be finished before the snow flies. And so I was curious, you know, for these folks that were still kind of lagging behind, do you really think you're going to make it? Because you're you're that far behind, and I don't want to put that in a critical sense, but I, I was I was curious, and I had asked a few of them, and and they had shared their journey, and 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 it was really interesting because everybody there had a story. They all had a reason for being out there, you know, discovering either you know their why or their purpose or trying to deal with trauma that they had. Yeah, had. it was yeah, really yeah. very interesting. Yeah, and for Kelly, it was just an ambitious. Attempt. She had just graduated college. She was a Division One athlete. Yeah. It was like a way to celebrate and go do yeah. something big before you go off to work, right? But I had asked her. I said, "Kelly, do you think you're going to make it to Katahdin before the snow flies?" And she said to me, "I don't know. We had a lot of zero days, meaning days where they just they didn't, didn't hike. Yeah. They just sat around." And I, and I thought, well, "How could you do that when you have such a big task ahead of you, and you, and you're just hanging around one day, and you know you've got." all these miles, you know, ahead of you. And then I started thinking about the, the, you know, the own excuse, my own excuses that I was making for lack of time to be able to train that if I didn't have two hours, it wasn't worth getting on the bike. If I, you know, couldn't devote a full day on, you know, on Saturday because I had to go to one of my child's events or something that it wouldn't be worth it to just spend 30 minutes working out. And and I thought, okay, that's it. Uh, From now on, no zero days. I'm going to do something every day, regardless of how much time I have. And that was August of 2001. Heck yeah. So, and then you, um, that actually, that's a great transition because I was going to ask you about your no zero days. And then is this, um, I did a little bit of research on it. It's not something that, I mean, it's something that there is out there on the internet, but you really embody this you're launching a, a product line of what you've already done, you know, and then you were tasked with, um, you tasked yourself with writing books about it too, I believe. Or, yeah. I'm working on a book. Yeah. 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 Which is really, really cool. And so, I mean, you did that. Awesome. I don't have to even have to ask you about no zero days now, really, well, but I mean, it's, you know, it's just a personal ethos for the longest time. I, I kept it to myself. It wasn't anything that I, I thought to share with uh-huh. anyone. It was just my way of coping with, you know, uh, the, the mental struggle of, and, and the negative self talk that comes out of, in, in defeat of, you know, kind of, um, discussions you have with yourself about deficits, right? Like deficit in time, deficit in, 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 in ability to do the things you want. I just, and it was a way for me to cope with that and just change my perspective and say, stop making excuses. Yeah. You, you have time. You can, <laughs> You know, you can get something done. But the other thing, you know, that it did for me at that time is it, it took me out of that roller coaster of mental anguish of feeling like I'm in shape or I'm out of shape. You know, and I could just check the box if I did something that day and say, Sam, it's okay. Like, you know, you, you got your run in or you got your you got your walk in or you did some push ups today. And, and I stopped beating myself up mentally for not achieving some other kind of, you know, objective for perception that I had of where I needed to be from a fitness level. So it, it, you know, it, it allowed me to, uh, to cope and, and manage and balance. And I want to uh, let our audience know something as well. No zero days doesn't mean like exercise per se, like a hundred percent of the time it can be, I don't miss a day where I don't meditate or I don't yeah. miss a day where I don't journal my gratitude you know, and that kind of stuff as well, right? Yeah, yeah I'm glad you brought that up, you know, because people have asked me, like, you know, you know, 20 years, you haven't missed a day, you know, you know, <laughs> you know like, no, I haven't. Yeah. I haven't missed a day. And Well, you had to have gotten sick or you've had to, yeah, and I, I've had injuries and I've been hospitalized and I can remember just back in 2014, I had, you know, emergency surgery and <laughs> I came out of emergency, emergency surgery and 
And after, you know, the, the surgeon had explained to me where my limitations were, what I had gone through, you know, my first thought was, okay, well, how am I going to work out now? <laughs> you know, And I asked if I could walk and they said, yeah. So I, you know, I grabbed my IV and I just, as much as they would allow me, I just walked the perimeter of the, yeah. the hospital floor and, and it was enough to just get me to relax, to allow me to know that, hey, you're still in it. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. okay. And coming out of that, I was, you know, kind of uh, relegated to uh, to bed rest for a while and I couldn't lift over eight pounds. So I, I did exactly what you just mentioned. I, I started meditating and, and doing breathing exercises yeah. and, and trying to pick up, uh, n- you know, new knowledge on breathing. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, there's, there's all kinds of ways to, you know, to you know, to contribute to yourself on a daily basis. And that's really what it was about for me was just giving myself that time and, uh, and place of appreciation to focus on, on, on my, my well-being. Yeah, hundred percent. Right? And it's, it, well-being isn't necessarily always physical. I mean, a lot of it is, and a lot of exercise can be, you know, exercise is great for releasing your endorphins and then, you know, just keeping the mind straight and all that stuff. But like Sam just said, it's not, he was brought down by an injury, you know, that made him focus a little bit more of how to be, you know, improve his well being continuously as well, which was really awesome. Yeah, it's interesting. Sam had an epiphany, if that's the right word, after reading that book, right? Yeah. 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 Interesting in life. It seemed like he hit challenges or hard times, and then all of a sudden we go, whoa. What am I doing here? We start questioning, yeah, and then we about what we're doing, and we th- rethink it, and we go, "Man, maybe there is something more to this. <clears throat> maybe I should be doing something different, and taking responsibility for our emotions and our physical health and our spiritual health." And that sometimes that's the impetus. I mean, in your case, it was the no zero. There's gonna, I'm going to do something, even if it's five minutes a day. Yeah, do something, right? Yeah self-improve and as you improve yourself that also you can enhance your capacity to help others right 100 percent. and you know larry just you made me think back to um you know my early 20s i i was fortunate i had uh my my grandmother and we talked about this before the show you know she was a very spiritually centered and faith-centered but she also um you know, was was very inspirational, and um, when I went away to college, she she handed me uh, Napoleon Hill's book, um, The Power of Positive Thinking, and she had this other book that she would carry around. She made sure to get me a copy of his Thought Conditioners. So I I had I'd always been aware and had that influence. I, I didn't necessarily adopt it, yeah. uh, you know, as as a teen or even in my early twenties, uh, but I found myself in um, in in then around 1986, in a in emotionally in a very dark place, um, things family uh, our, our family had suffered you know a lot of uh, a lot of um, setbacks and and my dad had lost his business. My mom was diagnosed with cancer, and then there was a divorce, and, and I was the oldest of five kids. And there was just there was just a lot of strife and strain. A weight on your shoulders too. And right I, I yeah, I dropped out of college to come home to to help raise my younger siblings. And, and at that time I felt like my life had just totally fallen apart. I had, I had lost the vision and ambition that I kind of had for myself, you know, going off to college and thinking about a, a future and a life and, and struggled with balancing that and the obligation that I felt to be there for my, for my siblings. And I had, uh, you know, gotten myself in a relationship that had uh, really inspired me. And I, you know, I was, you know, really enamored with this girl and, that ended up uh, failing, and, and I, I, I went into a very depressed and dark state for a period of time and had a very difficult time. I couldn't get myself out of my bedroom, and, um, and, I, uh, and, it, and you know, I, I, I got to a place where I contemplated not staying in this world anymore. And uh, at that point, I realized, you know, kind of to your point about epiphany, I I had a realization through people around me that I cared about and they cared about me and that I, you know, I, I just couldn't let go. I had to, yeah. I had to find a way to cope. And I, I started picking up uh, old cassette tapes that were laying around with, um, 
Dr. Wayne Dyer, who you're oh, yeah. probably familiar with, and, and some other motivational stuff. And exactly what you had said uh, about, or it was you, uh, Nick, about the endorphins. I was listening to one of these tapes, and they were talking about how exercise, you know, evokes certain release of hormones and feel-good hormones like endorphins stuff. And I thought, man, you, you, you got to get to the gym. Like, you just got to get out of this room and, and go work out. So the, the fitness thing for me in, in my early 20s became, you know, you know my tool, uh, you know, for coping. And, and, it, and you had mentioned earlier about that, you know, the NCD thing is not necessarily just a physical, physical thing. And well-being is not just physical. But what I've learned, or at least has, you know, become reality for me is that I believe that the we all know the power of the mind right oh yeah the mind is a very powerful tool and it can have and it can have positive and, and negative impacts on your body like oh yeah 100 percent yeah but but I also found personally that the body can help lead the mind oh yeah right yeah so, yeah no joke you know, if you if you are if you are um, if, you, if you have a practice and you have a ritual of exercising and taking care of yourself it breeds better thoughts, and and I think it strengthens the mind. What's well, the? I mean, because you're you're. I mean, you're like okay. I I'm doing this for myself. I'm going to go exercise and put myself into this you know better state to release all these hormones and everything that are going to really keep my mind on help me keep my mind on track and then wake up again and do it. So it's like a it's like a, they're balancing together, right? You know, yeah. your mind and body are working together and then through the actual physical action of making yourself do it, you're just reinforcing these positive habits and then really training your brain at the same time as training your body. Yeah, I think there's a real yin-yang effect too. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. And that's where we'll bring into our subject for today is discipline. So Discipline is something I've struggled with my whole life. <laughs> it's uh, I, I recently have found it. I feel like um, I've you know waking up in the morning now at a regular time and and do first thing I do is is my journaling and I the exercise I get in you know but it's more of like I'll go ride my bike on Sunday which I feel like you know with to combine it with savers I really need to get in more of that exercise which which I'm, I do have the ambition to do and the plan to do. But right now I'm trying to launch this thing and being disciplined with my podcast. So it's finding that balance is going to be hard for me for right now, but it's something that I'm definitely focused on. And like Larry likes to say, Nick, 10 minutes, dude, you know, that's all you need to do is 10 minutes of push ups, sit ups, 10 minutes. So I've been, I've been tackling that and working on that and getting over, I would say my, where my, lack of motivation for discipline comes in is my my high school experience or i should say with exercise is my high school experience and even before then you know junior high dressing up for pe um you guys would be surprised but i was uh i was a very fat kid uh five foot ten and weighed like 210 pounds wow and um and so and for the folks listening <laughs> I'm six five and weigh one eighty eight <laughs> yeah. right now. So yeah, um, and so that is. Uh, but I still have, and and this is something that I feel like I I really need to focus on tackling now that I'm that I'm that I'm here and I'm on this journey is I have that um, fat kid trauma. I feel like from my high school, you know, the kid who is always made fun of. Oh, you can't even do one push up. And I grew up in a school where you know, it was very small. And if you weren't on the football team, the baseball team, basketball team, you were, you were, yeah, you didn't count. Yeah. You didn't count. Right. Yeah. And you were the punching bag and all that kind of stuff. So that's something that I, especially, I feel like a lot of our audience probably can relate with, you know? And so it's one of those things where this is going to be for me, my next tackle is facing this, this background that I have with exercise because I can't stand, I wouldn't be like, I I've had gym memberships, but every time I've gone to the gym, this anxiety comes in hmm. and I don't go in until like, you know, 11 o'clock, you know, when hopefully there's no one there, hmm. you know, just because I have that whole, like everybody's looking at me, I'm getting judged kind of thing. And I feel like a lot of people really feel that. Yeah. And yeah. 
So that's something that you guys, as 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 our audience is listening, you're gonna get to go on this journey with me. We're gonna, I'm gonna figure out how to how to combat that. But let's get back into the subject of discipline, Sam. How do you stay disciplined, and what does discipline mean for you? You know, I think um, first of all, let me let, let me just comment. Go ahead. Yeah, uh, yeah. You know, you, I, you know, you, you mentioned uh, exercise being as a deficit for you right now. Yeah, right? yeah. And I just want to challenge your thought process because go ahead. I'm, if, I'm up if, for that. Yeah. If, if, um, if you were doing nothing else and you were living with deficits, uh-huh. and just sitting on deficits, then you know maybe you'd have some reason to, um, you know, to to feel defeated, but you're you're in a progressive mode. Oh, 100%. Right? Yeah. So, yeah, yeah take the wins. Oh, I am. Right? I am taking <laughs> yeah. the wins. I, I know where I'm at the rest in comparison. Come. Yeah. You, you, you got to start there. <clears throat> oh, yeah. You're, you're moving forward. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, discipline, uh, you know, I think it comes from two places. And, and um, it, it can be negatively uh, reinforced or, or uh, you know, catalyst through punishment, right? Oh, yeah. You can, you can be, you can have a discipline or a ritual or, or, you know, obey certain practices or routines because you're forced into them. Uh huh. And, uh, and that can be a driver for discipline, uh, or, or self-discipline, uh, or it can come from a place of, uh, you know, of, of inspiration or motivation. But I think that requires, uh, first, the, the desire and, and the willingness to change. Yeah. Right. So you're talking about self mastery there. Yeah. You know. So if, if you're you know if you're not forced into a discipline or a routine because you know there are negative consequences that you're facing and we've all seen evidence of that, but you're you're looking to adapt uh, a discipline for positive reasons. It it has to come from a place where. You, you have a desire to change. Mm-hmm. And so I think the, the first step, and, and I think what you guys are trying to, you know, to, uh, to present here speaks to that. It's, you know, how, how do you get to that place, right? How do you find that, how do you find that motivation to take that first step? Right. And, and, and for some people, that, that might just be lacing up your shoes and walking out the door. Yeah, no joke. You know? Yeah. Um, you know, I heard you give reference to walking in a gym, the intimidation, but I, I, I can tell you from experience because I've, I've got, I've got a, uh, you know, a discipline myself of constantly, um, challenging myself to do things that make me uncomfortable. Uh-huh. And, and I know from my personal experience, at least that if, if I, if I get too comfortable and that's when that inhibition starts to creep into my life. And, yeah. And, uh, and you know, and I, I leave room for things like intimidation. Uh, but I, I, I will physically and both and mentally and emotionally try to find things on a regular basis that make me uncomfortable and, and, and work to try to complete those tasks. Yeah. And on a, on an emotional level, maybe it's just, okay, I, I, I want to finish this book. You know, it, it's just, you know, the act of, of reading this or finishing a book, or maybe it's showing more patience, administering more patience and, and listening to, to a family member or somebody that, you know, might be complaining or in a bad spot. Yeah. Um, or, you know, it might be throwing a rock or a log on my shoulder and forcing myself to go out to do a five mile hike, you know, yeah, actually. whatever it is, you know, but, uh, but I think it comes, it, it, it comes from, uh, first that willingness for change. Uh huh. And then you don't have to take the big steps. I think that's where people fall down so often is, you know, they look at going to the gym and they start to project right away all of the things that stand in front of them. Well, you know, I I don't look like those people. I don't have the right clothes. I don't have the right shoes. I haven't been here for forever. And and I don't don't understand the exercises. You just got to eliminate that stuff and and break it down to small steps. So I... I would like to talk about the atomic habits real quick because um, you had brought up discipline being from um, maybe more of a motivation from like a negative aspect, you know, sometimes. 
and I like how what James Clear right Larry yeah how he how he said you can also find discipline through reward too I'm not gonna look at my phone until I've gotten up and brushed my teeth and drank my water and did my morning routine and then the phone looking at the phone is the dopamine reward <laughs> you know so you're changing yeah. your whole outlook on stuff and and to be able to do that you have to make, have that discipline. The phone is looking at the phone is going to be my reward for doing my morning routine. And so that's another way that you might be able to bring a little bit more discipline and habit change in your life is say, okay, I'm going to, instead of doing what I would normally do because my brain is totally addicted to that because of the dopamine response I get from it, I'm going to interrupt that whole thing. And then whenever I'm done interrupting it with my new healthy pattern, I can reward myself. And, and then, then your brain starts to associate that whole system, that new system that you're doing with receiving a reward. So that's another way to look at. Yeah, I'd like to make a comment here, Nick. What I did in 1988, I, I knew I just, I lacked self-discipline, you know, to get up and I knew I, I felt like I needed to go running. <clears throat> so I found a guy named John and John used to be ready. He says, okay, I'm going to be there at 6 a.m. at your door. So I knew he's coming. And he knows that I'm expecting him. <clears throat> and so I, I looked at an action partner. Yeah. So, what, so in some cases, I, for years, I had to have an action partner. It kept me accountable to someone else to get up. And and so I ran for three years. <clears throat> I was a runner, I would say, by trade. I switched to cycling because after being scoped five times on the knees, <laughs> the orthopedic surgeon says, well, Larry, you know, I can keep taking your money. You keep running, I'll keep taking your money, or you might want to rethink <laughs> That's what he said. Yeah. <laughs> and he was a runner. Yeah. <clears throat> so. Well, he gets it. Yeah. He got it. He got it. He says, yeah, you might want to mix. So that's what introduced triathlons. I was trying to mix something up. He yeah. says, you're doing way too much running. Yeah. And um, so then the, when that, so after the action partner, I started competing, not because I want to do well, it's, it was a goal. So when I right. was, I'd set a goal. If I was going to go do a triathlon, oh, I got to get ready. So, so every time I would say, I'm going to get ready for a race, it'd give me. So like last year, this last year, I was cycling the Tour de France route. If you're familiar with that, that's Whoa. a tough route. Yeah. Awesome. <clears throat> and so I went to a guy who coaches people and he says, okay, here's your regimen. Here's what you got to do every day. Yeah. Larry, if you're going to make this thing through. And I wish I'd have kind of doubled that. <laughs> yeah. Was, yeah. If you know much about, yeah, it's pretty yeah. tough. Oh, well, it's pretty tough. It's, what an awesome adventure. I mean, it's climbing awesome. Everest three times, yeah. you know, an elevation oh, gain. Wow. Yeah. And then what, how many thousands? It was about 175,000 miles of elevation gain in, wow. in 21 day cycling. Wow. That's, that's a lot of cycling. Yeah, yeah. For sure. Yeah. How old are you, Larry? So I'm I'm just, uh, I'll be 71 next month. So 71. 70. Yeah. Right on. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. So, for real. That's very cool. So it was a, I would call it a BHAG. People don't know what that means. It's an Ackman from, uh, Bill, uh, let's see, Good to Great by Jim Collins, an author out of Boulder. And um, he, a BHAG stands for Big Hairy Audacious Goal. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it sounds like that's what you do. Yeah. Big Hairy Audacious Goal. Yeah. And so I like that. It, it, it challenged yeah. me. It's something I, you know, I had challenges yeah. before, but this one was. And then last year before that was the Pacific Coast Highway. You know, cycling that the year oh, before that was beautiful. the, the yeah, Great Divide, cool. if you're familiar with that cycling route. And then the year before that was Route 66. But anyway. That's what you started with, right? Was Route 66? Yeah, Route 60 cycling that from Chicago to L.A. That's the beauty of, of um, you know, of testing yourself in those ways that, you know, it continues. It grows, right? Like for some people, it, it might just be, you know, you're running your first 5K. And that's okay. Yeah. That could that could. Be as big and as and as audacious, uh, audacious as you know, riding the Tour de France course. It, it just depends where you're starting. Yeah, from. my exactly. first was a five k, yeah. and it about killed me. I got <laughs> <laughs> yeah. like, what am I doing here? <laughs> I couldn't believe it. Yeah. And so I finished that. I thought, okay, I can do this. You know, the next one was a ten k, and yeah. I could do that. And then someone finally challenged me. Wait, what about a half? I don't know. That's a long way. So uh, another another way to be disciplined is find a goal that you want to achieve and then keep that in your make that your vision and find your discipline in that yeah. and find what it takes to to okay this is my I have this goal that I want to do I have a vision for myself now that I want to do and I'm going to be disciplined in, in tackling that yeah yeah 
Um, Sam, I want to ask you about gratitude. What does gratitude mean to you? Well, I, I really think it's, it's the key to, um, perception, you know, um, and, and, and so many other things from a, a coping mechanism. Um, if, you know, if we're, if we're going through our day and we're, and we're putting all the, the weight on our shoulders of, um, you know, of accomplishment and, and or deficit, and we're not stopping to think about, you know, the things that we have as, as you know, small or minute as they might be from a gratitude standpoint, I think we're falling short. Uh, but I, you know, that takes discipline too. Oh, yeah, yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Um, being able to, to, especially when you're, when you're not feeling it. Man. No, not at all, yeah. You know, when, when you're not in a good place and, and, uh, and you're down, it's, it's really hard to, you know, it's really hard to uncover those things to be grateful for. And that, that exercise can be really exhausting, you know, if you're not mentally up for it. Um, you know, for me, I find, you know, I, I have a lot to be grateful for. I, I feel very blessed for, for many things in my life. Um, but I, I still have to, I still have to go out every now and then and, and, um, and, and put a discipline in place to, Make sure I'm I'm realizing gratitude. Yeah, because it, it, it's easy to find yourself in a place of self pity at times. And um, just a couple of years ago, during the pandemic, um, you know, I, I was in one of those places, right? I, just, uh -huh. I was just in a real funk and 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 feeling, you know, some sense of self pity and, and couldn't figure out why I was there. And and uh, I opened up Facebook and uh, one of the, one of my friends, one of the one of the girls in my in my no zero days group um, was battling cancer, and uh, <laughs> I saw a post where she she went out for a run, and I thought, oh, Sam, you're you know you're such a pussy. Like, look at you're sitting here, you know, you know, feeling sorry for yourself, and look at she's look what she's dealing with. Yeah. So um, I you know that was motivation for me to do something that day, and I have this. I know you're going to ask about it. I have this log that I, yeah. that I found in, in the in the field behind my house. They cut down this old cottonwood tree, and and I you know I, I dragged that thing home one day and peeled the bark off it and thought I'm going to do something with this thing. Like maybe I'll make a bench out of it or do something. And I that morning I got up and I thought about that log sitting in my garage. And I thought, oh, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to take that log and just put in a, you know a little bit of suffering today and. And work this self pity out of my, out of my brain, and devote this, uh, this workout to her. Okay. And so I, you know, I took it over to the incline, and and you know, started started hucking the incline with it. How much does it weigh? Sixty five pounds. Okay, cool. Right. Yeah, I mean, walk. I mean, but <laughs> yeah. still walk with a sixty five pound but, log um, up a hill, man. <laughs> you're, like, so you're yeah. doing your own Spartan. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Isn't that what they do? Yeah, yeah. Of course. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Um, and you know, and I've, I've done this with other things like with rocks, you know, I've right. got a yard full of rocks that I, I end up carrying around and bringing home. But as a matter of fact, at the base of the incline, there's three of them sitting there that I've, <laughs> but, um, but you know, that day it was just, it was just a, it's just slap in the face to get my act together and, 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 and hold on to some gratitude that day and, and, and the blessings that I had at that moment. And it's interesting because that, that log, I'd started taking that log out. Um, I'd started taking that log out on hikes and I would take it over to Ridgeline here and, and, uh -huh. and you know, do the red loop with it. And stuff. Yeah. And, yeah. And uh, one day I was over there not, not feeling real sociable and, you know, kind of into my, my own head space. And I, and I was out with the dog and I was carrying that log and I'd come up on a guy who um, was sitting on a bench uh, a log bench there and I had my earbuds in which I don't I don't make a practice of you know carrying technology You're like I'll carry my phone but I don't, I don't try to listen to stuff I want to be out in the open and be aware when I'm when I'm working on the suffering and listen to myself breathe and whatever uh, but I noticed uh, his posture he was he, he, he was just kind of bent over sitting on a log and and I, I didn't really want to socialize but I thought just 
be friendly, you know, just yeah. say hello. Yeah. Because yeah. I wasn't even in the mood to say hello. Yeah. And so I was walking by, my, my dog went over to greet him, and I came by, and there was just something about his physical posture that day. And um, I stopped him. I said, you know, hey, how you doing? I said, you know, okay. And he's kind of slumped over, and I said, do you mind if I set my log down here for a minute? And, no, sure. And I put the log down, and uh, he said, so what's with the log? And I said, well, I'm just carrying it around for... Uh, extra resistance, which, you know, is only half the truth. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and he said, so what's with the name on a log? And I had written her name on a log, you know, I was dedicating that workout to her. And I said, well, uh, you know, I had a friend that was going through a rough time and, and I thought, you know, I would dedicate my workout to her. So I put her name on a log and he said, would you mind putting my name on that log? Oh, wow. Yeah. And so right away, I, I introduced myself and I sat down. And I said, you know, what's going on? Yeah. And um, he'd explain to me, and it's a beautiful spot there. And I know you know it well. Yeah. It, it overlooks the western slope. Yeah. You can see, you know, 100 miles of mountain range. And um, I said, what, what's going on? And he said, just really tough day for me. He said, um, and he tapped the bench and he said, you know, I put this bench here in uh, honor of my son who had passed away. And I said, man, I'm really sorry. And, and I'd been on that log a hundred times. I do push-ups on it. So I'd never realized there's a plaque there with his name on it, his son's name. Uh-huh. And there's a quote from a, a song, a country song. And um, anyway, uh, we, you know, we got to talking and, and he shared with me how his son had passed. He, he'd, they'd hiked 14ers together, but his son just... Oddly enough, out just on a training hike and it fell off, you know, and not a 14 or just some local mountain and, and fell to his death and hit his head and, and passed at a young age. And um, anyway, I, I think it's the song uh, title or something like Go go Tell Her in a Mountain, not Go Tell Her in a Mountain, Go Higher in a Mountain, whatever it was. It's just the strangest occurrence because I had gotten back to my car and I turned on Spotify and that song started to play. Wow. It's serendipitous, man. For sure. Yeah. And, you know, I, I've, through gratitude. Yeah. You can open up a lot of awareness. Oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> that is no joke. And if you are just caught up in all that self pity and self loathing, it just doesn't open you up to oh. the things that are out there in the world or yeah. in the universe for you to receive. And that's, you know? you know, a lot of, you know, I really, I really enjoy comparison, you know, because it's like you said, was in comparison to the, the woman that you had dedicated your exercise to, it's like, okay, well, she just went out and did this run with cancer yeah. and look what I'm doing. I'm just sitting here feeling mopey about yeah. my life. <laughs> like what the heck, you know? Yeah. And, and so you, you can always compare what you have going on to what somebody else has going on. And maybe they're, you know, have something worse than you going on. And they're living in a state of still trying to fight and struggle and be, and be better. And you can look, okay, I need to step up my gratitude. Or you can look and say, okay, I have maybe more than that person has. And what can I be grateful for there too? It's, that's, um, it's quite amazing that. Well, they yes, say, you know, you for sharing say, that story. So. Yeah, that's, that's really, really awesome. That's a really touching story. Yeah, it really I is. I, you know, I've, I've, I've had a number of those experiences. And um, and I, and, and back to your point, you know, uh, how to how to be aware, utilize gratitude. It's it's those things that are the reminders, right? Right. Yeah. And um, in, in allowing yourself to have have that space be open for to receive those things what's the expression like if you sat down at a table with you know with a group of your friends and everybody threw their their problems uh, you know and their life out on on a table and you had a choice to pick up a card you'd probably pick up your own yeah yeah <laughs> yeah because you never really know what other people are dealing with until exactly until you've exposed so um you know those 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 moments uh you know i think are are really revealing and for me, it becomes a discipline. If I'm, if I'm feeling funky and, and I'm not in the mood or I'm feeling, you know, some self-pity, 
I, that's what I do. Yeah. You know, I, I grab the log or, I, you know, I go find something hard physically to, to, to put myself through, to break myself down mentally to, you know, to, I get to a place where, okay, you think you're uncomfortable. Let's, let's go get uncomfortable and find out what you're really dealing with. Okay. And I, and I always come home feeling better. Be, you're comfortable in discomfort. Maybe. It, it, it's true. Uh, you know, because it has a way of, of, of breaking breaking you down and, and shaking out the things that you think are, um, you know, that are difficult. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and I believe that, you know, through, through some physical, so I've got an expression like pay attention to pain, but embrace suffering. Okay. Yeah. Right. Because in, in suffering, there's, there's, there's always some growth or something to learn. To learn. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Pain you got to pay attention to. Larry, you're, your doctor's telling you your knee's a problem. You know, eventually you got to pay attention or you're, you're not going to be using it, right? But, but the suffering, not feeling good or, you know, or feeling tired or, or feeling, ex, you know, exhausted or like you can't take one more step or those kind of things. It's amazing the resilience that the body and the human brain oh, yeah. have behind them. And when you get those breakthrough moments, you know, that, that's where that revelation occurs. And, and for me, it works both from a, you know, a, uh, a mental resilience thing, but, but also from a sense of gratitude, because it, it, it like I said, it, it, for me, it shakes out all that stuff that I think is, is difficult to deal with. And I start really getting down to what's difficult and I realize, you know, okay, you're all right. Yeah. You know, yeah. You're, yeah. you're in control and you got a lot to be grateful for. Um, but it's just, it's just that, you know, the practice of awareness. I think it goes back to discipline that you had talked about before. Uh-huh. Yeah, for sure. So how, how would you suggest our audience start to build discipline in their lives then? How can, how can I build discipline towards uh, working out? Well, I'll take, I'll, I'll take it back to what I said about where discipline, you know, what, what the catalyst for discipline is, right? Um, and, and I don't think you need to go find find somebody to beat you into the process and and yeah and and, and come to it from a negative perspective uh i think it it, it comes from you know a little bit of, of self-mastery and and choice that's fair and saying look i, I want to make change yeah. whatever, whatever that change is yeah and then it's a matter of putting that in perspective and and not and, and not getting ahead of yourself in that process so you know discipline uh you know, is really speaks to a ritual, right? Or uh-huh. Routine. Yeah. And routines don't happen, you know, from from one action. No, right? they happen a, from multiple yeah, actions. Yeah, that building that routine is like re- reinforcing a like a habit again. Um, you know. Yeah, and keep it in perspective. You're not going to master it in the first day. No, you not know? at all. So just you know, if 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 the change is okay, I I need to get in shape. Well, let, let's. You know, let's let's eat it one bite at a time. Let, let's start today with something. Like I said, it doesn't take much, right? Yeah. Lace your today. You're going to lace your shoes up. You're going to walk to the corner. Maybe yeah. you're gonna, maybe you're going to run to the corner. You're going to run to the corner back. Your goal might be to do that 5K. Might be a marathon. It might be something longer. Yeah. But uh, bite into it and then do it again tomorrow. So I've set a goal for myself to gain 30 pounds. Which for me is going to be tough, <laughs> but well, then that you is need to my, get to the gym. <laughs> uh, no, that's exactly. I'm I'm sitting there. I'm like, all right, cool. I'm I. Um, this is in my vision, uh, for sure. And I I like how Bob Proctor tells me, or you know, not tells me, but I listen to him a lot. Yeah. And um, he has you. You have your A goals, your B goals, and your C goals, right? And so. I, I'm trying to define, you know, where my, my putting 30 pounds is either a, a B or a C goal. I don't pay attention to my A goals, which is like getting up and doing, brushing my teeth and, you know, doing all that stuff. My C, my B goals are going to be, you know, what I do daily at work and, and, you know, that kind of stuff. My C goal is my vision. And, and so I, I think I'm going to have to put well, that. Well, dude, break that down. Like 30 pounds is a lot. Like, you know, Oh yeah. The, it's going to take years for the me a- to do. Right. The average yeah. male, if he puts five pounds of muscle on a year, is a lot. Right? Yeah. So, yeah. and, and if you, if you break that down on what it's going to take to do that five pounds per year, or maybe, maybe get lucky and, you know, you, your body responds really well. It's 10 pounds per year. There's so much that goes into that. Right. And it begins with, 
it begins with, okay, well, I, I, I've got to start weight training. I've got oh, to yeah. start strength training. And I've got to have my nutrition dialed in. So it's, it's being able to accept the fact that there's got to be a lot of small steps and wins in the process and celebrating those. Oh, yeah. The 1%, the way, right? right, Larry? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> Baby steps. A little bit each time. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. Those I mean, wins. Yeah. If you if you wake up every day and, and, you know, have the perspective is, man, I'm, I'm still not 30 pounds hev- heavier. I still haven't put 30 pounds a month. There's no win there. There's no win. (laughs) Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. But if it's like, wow, I got to the gym today, I got through my strength session, and you know, I just had 25 grams of protein for breakfast, today's a good day. Yeah. Like, I'm on my way. Yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure. And I think that's that's what I'm learning to do, especially since uh, I've started this journey with Larry, is the whole shoot for me to get up on a regular basis like I am now to, uh, you know, do all that kind of stuff. And just even writing my gratitude down every morning was a stretch from the person that I that I was before. Is that is that journaling uh, practice that yeah. you've recommended? Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's really powerful. Yeah. It's really powerful to journal a little bit every day. Yeah. If, like you said, they found journaling to be very effective in problem resolution and feeling gratitude. And what it does, it, it just changes the mind to rethink about yourself and others. Yeah. And as you rethink that, and that has a lot to do with what you just talked about, discipline and choice. Is if you, I would say if I was having a struggle time to get up every morning, start journaling, find out, hey, maybe. See what that is. What's what's going on here? What yeah. asking those questions? Ask the questions. Yeah. What's going on in my mind that's keeping me from getting yeah. up in the morning and and performing? Yeah, yeah. Well, it gives you perspective and a point of reference too. Yeah, yeah. you can look back at where you started and and start to see the achievements. I, I was just watching a reel the other day, and David Goggins, who you guys you know may be acquainted with, you know, he keeps a journal of all of his <laughs> notebook, you know, of all of his workouts every day. Oh wow, well, yeah, yeah. And, and you know those days when he wakes up and he's, you know, he's not feeling it or he's feeling like he's not doing enough, picks up the book and looks at, you know, or books of, of detail of previous workouts. Like, Hey, no, I, I'm on a path. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That's no joke. I mean, I was just, Oh, I would say last, I think it was last Sunday or the one before I went and read like my first journal entry. Oh my God. My questions that I've asked myself are just like, from where I was, like, how can I get over this situation? I'm like, now, how can I bring more positive influence, you know, and how can I, I increase my vision and all this kind of stuff, you know, for myself. And just to see that over two months is just huge. That's awesome. Yeah, it really is. That's, that's, that's a great practice or discipline and, and, uh, and, and point of reference. I think so many people are lost in that because it's gives you a way to, to go back and, and, uh, identify your wins yeah 100 percent. Right? yeah and, and and acknowledge the fact that you're actually moving forward with yeah. stuff in your life which is huge yeah. and um yeah we're gonna get close to closing out any final thoughts that you guys might have on on discipline what about you larry well, what you- i would say now that, now that we're thinking about choice and discipline i would think what's the difference between a disciplined person and undisciplined and i would say a disciplined person does things that probably undisciplined people don't like to do. But the discipline, their dislikes of certain things are subordinated to their sense of purpose. Right? Yeah. If they have a strong sense of purpose, they have the commitment to follow through with it. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So the thing I would say today, the message to our listeners, is they just need to make a decision, make a choice. Yeah, and you kind of open with that, you know, that purpose piece, you know, and, and how you're balancing and identifying purpose in your, in your work and shaking out the, you know, what purpose really means. Uh, I think, you know, not to get on a tangent, but, you know, so many of us, including myself at times, really lost to what that purpose is and, yeah. and how you identify that. But, um, but I think it gets easier to find through, through gratitude and, 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 and employing some practices. Heck yeah. All right. Well, Sam, thank you very much, my man. This yeah, great, has been great to great. chat with you. Yeah, thank you, real. Sam. I really appreciate yeah. it. Yeah. And uh, I'm Nick. I'm Larry. And this is the LTL Show. Thank you for listening, everybody.
Thank you for listening to the Love Truth Leadership Podcast, where leadership is not just a title, but the profound expression of the love and truth we bring into the world. What you can expect on next week's episode, Larry and I will be discussing purpose and meaning, what they mean and how to find them both in your life. Larry and I greatly appreciate you, and thank you for listening.